Hello, everybody. It's me, Vance, back with you again. VegCast. Reminding you that 60 is the new podcast. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, it is certainly a full menu on this 60th edition of VegCast. And this time out, dessert is on the menu because we have... With us, the dessert diva of the vegan world, Fran Costigan, author of Great Good Dairy-Free Desserts Naturally and other works, as well as the creator of a vegan baking boot camp. She'll talk about that as well as how to make delicious desserts uh, that many people think would rely on butter or eggs, but uh, without using those ingredients, which turn out not to be all that essential. And we also will have a music selection for you. Uh, We're going to dip back into the Australian well, uh, where there seems to be so much vegan creativity going on, and we're going to hear another track from Quinn Band, uh, a band I really Uh, get a kick out of, and uh, we will also have a science fact as usual, this one dealing with the sentience of chimps uh, and other zoo animals, as exemplified in a study of a certain chimp's uh, aggressive behavior that suggests uh, they plan for the future. So all that is going to be coming up, so I would suggest that you right now sit back Relax and crank up that iPad as we deliver to you this 60th edition of Okay, let's jump right into our interview with Fran Costigan. If you're not familiar with Fran's cookbooks of uh, vegan desserts, you should familiarize yourself uh, pronto with that. And uh, Fran has long been known as uh, somebody who works wonders with vegan ingredients to make desserts that most people would not recognize as vegan. And she talks with me now about how that's a good strategy to uh, not point out that they're vegan. So let's hear that. Okay, joining us right now on VegCast, we have the diva of dairy-free desserts, Fran Costigan. Fran, welcome to VegCast. Thank you very much, Vance. I'm very happy to be talking with you. And, and of course, listeners. we're happy to have you. And uh, you've kind of made a name for yourself uh, with something that the general public thinks is an oxymoron, which is tasty uh, vegan, <laughs> I mean, tasty treats, uh, vegan treats. And, uh, you know, your average person may think of uh, vegan baking as uh, something where you're, you're making, you know, cooking flax and granola into oatmeal cookies. But... Uh, Having seen you in action and uh, have you, having your books and so forth, I know that uh, you actually raised the whole concept of, of vegan food to uh, to kind of an elite level. So I wanted to just start out by thanking you for that. And um, you're actually passing that knowledge on in various ways. And one of them we wanted to talk about is the vegan baking boot camp. Is that right? Is that That's what right. Called? That's correct. Well, I want to thank you, Vance, for that kindness. And say to you that, just remind people that my background is mainstream, traditional pastry work. I went through New York Restaurant School. I worked in what I now call butter, sugar, egg, yucky kitchens, and I got myself really sick. Um, I loved the work. I adored the work. But all of that 
white sugar and heavily dairy-laden dessert that I was making while it was very popular was not um, enhancing my life at all. In fact, quite the opposite. So I took some time off. I happened to pick up Anne-Marie Colbin's book, Food and Healing, and I just I changed my diet overnight. It made perfect sense to me, and I felt great. So here I am now a pastry person who just adores doing pastry, and I have now demonized all sweets. Well, you probably know that that doesn't work because somewhere along the line, someone has a birthday or gets married or just wants a treat, and uh, including my children who said, I think it was my son who said, Mom, we really can't have a candle in a sweet potato this year. I want cake. <laughs> this is a long time ago, probably going back about 15 years. So I went and I wanted to see what was available in the stores, and your description was perfect. Dry, brown, heavy, kind mm. of flaxy, granola-ish stuff. Mm. And I just I didn't understand why anybody was eating that kind of treat because it i mean it's not a treat right right you know i was really happier baking an apple it's more a a homework kind of thing exactly i could i could understand why my former colleagues in the pastry world were considering me you know no longer uh, well you're you don't you're not a, a pastry chef any longer i really took issue with that but i could understand why if this was the best we could do so i decided to hit the kitchen, and really start from scratch, not throwing out the pastry rules that I had learned, but using them in conjunction with the properties of the natural sweeteners. And I determined that if I could come up with a counterpart to a traditional dessert that was not only as good as, that it was absolutely perfect. You know, I don't go for this is good for what it is. That's not what I was after. I was going for this is delicious. And it just happens to be vegan. And uh, I know that I've been successful because I watch plates come back that are empty. I get calls from clients who order a specialty cake. And when, you know, I, I, custom, I customize according to individuals' dietary sensitivities or preferences. So when I start asking, can you have soy or do you need rice and gluten-free and so on, they don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So for me, that means success. Okay. I will tell you that I eat greens every day. I eat chocolate every day, but I really do eat a very well-balanced, whole-grain-based diet, and I think that's the key. Right. Well, I mean, anyone looking at you, we would we would expect that you don't... Uh, you don't subsist on your cooking because uh, you'd, you'd be spherical then, and you, you're you know very trim and elegant and everything. But um, let's talk about the. I mean, when you were talking uh, about the butter, sugar, eggs, or what we might call BSE uh, in in food, um, it's, I, that's something we want to avoid, isn't BSE? Um, the the traditional concept is um, eggs, especially, but also butter. They just have something. Uh, chemically to them that you can't replace them. You can't do the same kind of things uh, with baking if you don't use those ingredients. But of course, uh, you're you're doing that. Can you ch- just speak to that? How you That's exactly. how exactly well, you yes, do that? Can you just um, have to be a bit you have to figure it out? As a matter of fact, there is an article in this 
past Sunday's New York Times about vegan cupcakes. That's a pretty traditional magazine. And the food writer's child has multiple food allergies. This is what leads a lot of people to vegan diets. It's not just suitable for ethical vegetarians, but for people who have food allergies or diet, you know, uh, religious preferences and so on. Mm -hmm. And in the article, he states quite erroneously that while a cupcake works without eggs, you cannot do a cake. Now, anybody can go to my website <laughs> and see the wedding cakes that I make and the layer cakes that I make. Eggs definitely contribute structure to baked goods. Mm -hmm. but they're only one ingredient, and butter is fat. Fat is a generic term, so there's butter, margarine, oil, coconut oil, lard, heaven forbid, chicken fat, and so on. That's all fat. Mm -hmm. I, I've made it my business not to use, for example, soy, margarines, uh, vegan butters, let's say, and shortenings, because I felt that people don't need me to teach them Here's a recipe. Let's adapt it from the traditional recipe to a vegan recipe. Take out the butter and use vegan butter. Take out the eggs and use boxed egg replacer. That's really not what I wanted to do. I wanted to not only make desserts that would be absolutely smashingly delicious, clean your plate, and satisfying, but also with wholesome ingredients and I am promoting organic, fair-traded ingredients at the same time. So I do not have, to answer your question, I do not have one exact formula for replacing eggs. It depends on the recipe. Okay. And I use several different um, techniques according to the recipe. But we have baking powder and baking soda. I use aluminum-free baking powder because, again, I'm very careful about the ingredients. I want clean food. And those are leaveners. Most of my cakes have a, a bit of apple cider vinegar in them. And for some people, that's a surprise. But this was used historically as a leavener and as a way to give a cake a tender crumb. And so they work. Now, some of my recipes look long. They're not difficult, but they may be long because I've taken away the flavor that eggs contribute, and butter does contribute a certain flavor to baked goods. So I layer flavors up with extracts, vanilla, pure vanilla extract, for example, rounds flavors out and sweetens cakes. And I think the addition of whole grain pastry flour contributes a lovely taste to a baked good. And so those are some of my secrets. I use really fine ingredients because... That's what you're going to taste. You measure very, very carefully. You make sure that there's an oven thermometer in your oven, and you go for it. And you do not present your dessert by saying, taste this. You're not going to believe what's not in it. Or taste <laughs> this vegan dessert, because it often sets something up in people's psyche. Right. Do you ever notice that? Sure. And so I just let the dessert speak for itself. Now, what's very exciting is there is, seems to be a huge world out there of people who are so interested in vegan baking now that I would say it's not even alternative. When I started, this was alternative. Mm -hmm. The vegan baking boot camp intensive that you're speaking of, right. strictly limited to 14 students. 
Uh, I designed the program, which is given two or three times a year, currently at the Natural Gourmet, and the classes sell out almost instantly with long waiting lists. The most recent class that finished in February, the next one is coming up in April, the most recent class found students from Israel, Dublin, Brazil, Thailand, Japan, and all over the U.S. Great. Can you imagine? So, you know, there's just this huge need out there. And I feel really fulfilled to know that I'm sending I'm sending more vegan bakers out there who have really got an excellent basis, who are learning a professional program. There are people who are beginners, and there are people who are pastry chefs coming into the program. Mm -hmm. And it's the food that brings us together and the wanting to learn. Great. Well, it sounds like, and this is, uh, these are in New York City, uh, your, the classes yes. that you have. This, this so. course is in New York City at the Natural Gourmet Institute, okay. where I teach, and I teach at the Institute of Culinary Education as well, which is rather interesting because that is a traditional school. Mm -hmm. But I got a call a number of years ago. They're aware of what's, you know, the interest, and so they wanted to have it. I travel teach. So I am available to put classes together or do classes nearly anywhere. I had um, a Japanese photojournalist did four pages on boot camp in a to-the-trade magazine in Japan recently. So cool. I'm unencumbered and ready to go with my whisks if okay. anybody is interested. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people, I mean, uh, our VegCast listeners are all over the place, and not everybody's going to be able to uh, to get uh, to you in person or to get into the, the boot camp, but we should make sure uh, everybody knows uh, that, uh, first of all, great, good, dairy-free uh, desserts. Uh, you, you put that book out. We also have a new... Uh, book that came out in 2006, More Great Good Dairy-Free Desserts Naturally. Is that it? It's a long time. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> and they are different books. And it's not a revision. New... It's, a, it's an, a new book. Um, I'm using more granulated sweeteners and going a bit more into detail. When you say granulated sweeteners, sweeteners I mean, you, you included sugar uh, in your original traditional uh, dessert uh, trinity. Yes. Um, I'm using don't... organic sugars, organic granulated sugars, and of different varieties, but I have a particular criteria. They must be organic and not refined, So, and they must fit the dessert. Okay. For example, uh, there are dark whole, what is called granulated dark whole cane juice is actually the whole sugar cane is the juice, it's crushed, the juice is extracted, and then... With a very natural processing, the um, water is evaporated off, much less in the way that you make maple sugar out of maple syrup. It's nothing but maple syrup with the water off, and the sugar is the resulting sugar is granulated. Right. So these are dark sugars. The most readily available are two brands. One is Sucanat by Wholesome Sweeteners, which stands for Sugar Cane Natural, and the other is Rapadura from Rapunzel. They are both organic, and they're both fair trade. Okay. That matters to me because I do not want slavery in my sugar and in my chocolate, and 
very unfortunately, and I think it's just shocking in this day and age that that still exists. Right. Well, I mean, I have to say it's it's all the more amazing, you know, what you can do uh, with, you know, you're starting out with a certain <laughs> amount of dietary restrictions, and then you add uh, people's individual uh, mm-hmm. restrictions. They might, and then you add an ethical kind of geopolitical thing on top of that, it seems like you wouldn't have anything left to bake with. I know. uh, I mean, this is why I say, uh, first thing I do is put out the dessert and say, let the dessert, go back to let the dessert speak for itself. I am doing more, you know, you're talking about the restrictions. I'm doing more gluten-free desserts now. Mm -hmm. Some people tend to equate vegan and gluten-free. That's not the case at all. Right. You know, vegan means no animal products whatsoever, and gluten is a protein in wheat, and it's just an entirely different story. I believe that food has to satisfy. You know, desserts are a treat. So I, I have said uncle a few times. I'm very stubborn, and I really try hard to develop a particular recipe or fill a need. But there are times I've had people come to me with so many allergies that I say, you know, I can do it, but it won't taste good. With all of those restrictions, let's poach a pear and make a chocolate sauce, that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a craze for fat, so-called fat-free cookies a number of years ago. Right. If you remember Snackwells. Oh, yeah. They've been completely reformulated. People were eating the whole box because they weren't satisfying. Right. And it turns out that you need to use almost twice as much sugar in a fat-free baked good. So what's the point? Right. What's the point? I use a minimal amount of fat and a minimal amount of sugar. But at the same, when I say sugar, I'm talking about generic sweetener, whichever one I choose. Sure. But enough to make this dessert. One of my first bosses, when I was a member of the food police, when I first changed my diet, uh, I made brownies, and he said, Fran, excuse me, but these are brownies, not brown bread. And he really had a point there. (laughs) He really had a point. All right. Well, I have to say, uh, we could talk all day about uh, desserts and baking, uh, something that just about everybody uh, seems to have a uh, kind of primordial <laughs> interest in, but we're almost out of time here for uh, this segment. But I wanted to uh, just point up, you do have an event coming up that people might uh, be interested in where you're doing the, the desserts for a uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine event. Is that on the 24th? It's on the 24th the tw- of yeah. March of this month at the Peter Max Art Studio. Peter and Mary Max have very generously donated the studio for this event. It's mm-hmm. from 6.30 to 8.30, and there are some celebrity guests coming. Um, the space is very limited. I can give you the website, or it's uh, you, or you can go to PCRM, right. and I'm donating desserts. I'm partnering with Theo Chocolate, which is the only fair-traded organic chocolate company in the U.S., uh, they're pretty much a bean-to-bar okay. company, and they were just lovely about donating the chocolate. Christine Waldemeyer, Natural Kitchen, will be there. Candle Cafe is doing food. Bonobo, Four Course Vegan. And there will be some organic wine as well. And I believe that Peter is, Peter Max is 
donating some of his artwork, but it stands to be a really wonderful, wonderful evening. So that's Tuesday, March 24th. Okay, great. And we'll have a, uh, a link to those details on the PCRM site in the show notes uh, for Great. this. Great. And you can also link my website, oh, yeah. if you would. It's oh, I will. Don't you worry. and there's a link to all of my classes and other events that I think are very important. Great. Well, we'll have all, all of that up at, uh, at VegCast.com. And uh, we are out of time now, but I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk with us on VegCast. Well, thank you, Vance. It's always nice to talk to you. All right. Well, thank you, Fran Costigan. Take care.
That is Quinn, the band from Australia with its revolution, uh, which, as he says right there, is the answer to the state of the world. And I just want to uh, be clear here that uh, we are in favor of a revolution in thinking, revolution in eating patterns, and a revolution in uh, the overall structure of human society. But VegCast does not actually endorse uh, armed resistance uh, at this point. However, there is uh, a certain character who may have been listening to this song who has taken up armed revolution against oppression, and you're going to hear about that in this... Science Our Science Fact for VegCast 60 is as follows. Stone-throwing chimp suggests animals make plans. Uh, This is a story from RedOrbit.com, a rewrite of an Associated Press report that you might have heard about. Uh, Let me read some of this. A Swedish study showed on Monday what it believes to be the first evidence that an animal other than humans can make spontaneous plans for future events. Now, I've previously pointed out that uh, animal behavior scientists are constantly reporting the first evidence that an animal other than humans can do such and such. And that's rarely the case. Uh, usually, and in, including this case, there is previous evidence, but uh, they get headlines and they get uh, notice for saying it's the first, so we'll just uh, roll with that. At any rate, a 31-year-old alpha male chimpanzee named Santino at the Furovic Zoo 
uh, just outside of Stockholm, uh, began collecting rocks in the morning before park hours. Now, this is something he would do routinely. He would gather rocks and knock out disks from concrete boulders inside his enclosure. The study, reported in the journal Current Biology, said he would then wait until around midday before he unleashed a hailstorm of rocks on zoo-goers. Lund University Ph.D. student Matthias Osvath, who authored the report, believes such observations convincingly show that our fellow apes do consider the future in a very complex way. He says it implies that they have a highly developed consciousness, including lifelike mental simulations of potential events. Osvath told the Associated Press the chimp didn't attack other chimpanzees. He only went after humans viewing the apes across the moat surrounding the island compound where they were held. He says that they most probably, they, chimpanzees and apes, have an inner world like we have when reviewing past episodes of our lives or thinking of days to come. However, some experts say that individual differences are big among chimpanzees, so the observation might not mean all chimpanzees are capable of the same planning. Joseph Call, the author of a 2006 study on orangutan, says it could be that he, that is Santino, is a genius. Only more research will tell. On the other hand, our research showed the same in orangutans and bonobos, so he is not alone. So that's the basic story. There's this chimp that rather than picking up rocks in anger, in the heat or fury of the moment, in response to an immediate need, uh, is actually planning uh, an assault on humans who are watching him from across the little uh, moat uh, on his island. And, uh, you know, researchers are kind of scratching their heads and saying, boy, isn't this funny? Uh, Nowhere in here, in all of this talk about uh, the enhanced mental faculties that we're finding and the ability to construct an inner world and have, you know, hopes and dreams for the future and everything, is there any connect with the fact that this sentient being is being trapped and imprisoned in a cage uh, to be gawked at for purely entertainment purposes and whether that fact might actually come to bear on what he's doing in lashing out at the people, the humans, not at his fellow chimps, but at the humans that uh, he might perceive as part of the class that is oppressing him. As the story ends, Osvath says, uh, it is normal behavior for alpha males to want to influence their surroundings. It is extremely frustrating for him that there are people out of his reach who are pointing at him and laughing. Yeah, that's probably one of the things that's frustrating him. Uh, And the punchline to all this, uh, Zookeeper said uh, that even when barred from collecting his arsenal, he would still be aggressive. So they came up with a solution, which was to castrate him. So now everybody's happy. Actually, they're not because they don't know if if this uh, technique is going to actually work to amend his behavior. But it's kind of a sad story if you look at it uh, from a particular perspective, as I do, uh, as emblematic of the lot of just about all zoo animals who 
are dealing with a, a, a situation that they can't quite understand why they're being imprisoned uh, and have their entire lives spent in cages uh, without any recourse. And here's a chimp who actually uh, came up with something to do about it to express himself, and uh, his reward is castration. Um, but let's just let me just highlight this one more time before we get out of here. Uh, they say uh, they have a highly developed consciousness, including lifelike mental simulations of potential events. And they have an inner world like we have when reviewing past episodes of our lives or thinking of days to come. And it could be that he is a genius. So these scientists are saying flat out that this animal is not just sentient in that he can suffer, he can feel pain, but he has a highly developed consciousness uh, a consciousness of himself, of his relationship to his surroundings, of his relationship to uh, time, past events, future events, everything else. And yet we still consider it to be appropriate that this person, essentially, is being kept in a cage in order to entertain people. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there for your consideration, and you can mull on that. Until we come back at you with the next Science Okay, a week from today, the day this podcast comes out, will be March 20th, Great American Meetout. And I don't know if there will be another VegCast out before that point. Uh, when that podcast comes out, VegCast 61, I'll explain why there was an ambiguity there, but in case not, I wanted to be sure everybody uh, knows about that and uh, is planning some great event for the Great American Meetout. Meanwhile, this weekend here in Philadelphia, if you're uh, subscribing to the podcast and get this on the 13th or early on the 14th, uh, there will be a veg in at the Whole Foods Market at 20th and Callow Hill from 11 to 1. It's an event geared for kids, but people of all ages can uh, come and join us being organized by Public Eye. Uh, and you can find information about that at publiceyephilly.org. And with that, it's about time for us to get out of here. Okay, that is going to finish up the last spoonful of the dessert course at VegCast 60. Thanks to Fran Costigan for joining us and explaining how to make great, good dairy-free desserts naturally. And uh, thanks, of course, to Quinn uh, from Australia with uh, its revolution and other songs. You can find them in our show notes as well. Uh, thanks, of course, to you for subscribing to VegCast. And as I said, we may be back at you pretty soon. But either way, I want you to get out there and live like you mean it. Veg-cast.